Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Today is Horticulture Day. I'm Charity Nebbe. The weather has been weird this year, and spring is coming at us fast. If you're going to prune your shade trees this spring, it's time to make a solid plan. DNR forester Mark Vitosh is here to be our pruning season guide. Welcome, Mark. Good morning. Thank you for being here. And, I mean, the weather has been truly bizarre, and I'm sure that we'll talk about that a lot today. But does that mean we've already missed our window of opportunity for pruning oak trees? Yes. Okay. Y-E-S. Our, uh, <clears throat> we have a great forest health specialist in Des Moines, and he actually has um, temperature gauges out, and he looks and determines degree days. And he determines um, what degree days the beetles that can start carrying the fungus that causes oak wilt can be out. And on Tuesday, he sent a note out and he said with high caution or being a little more cautious, he would advise, and this was on the 27th, that you no longer prune oaks in Iowa. <clears throat> if, if you accidentally... Um, damage a tree and you have to prune it basically from now until uh, late fall and it's an oak, I would use some type of latex paint immediately on that wound to cover it up to try to deter the beetles. But it looks like based on the weather we're going to have, it's highly likely that we could have beetles flying at any time. So if you were going to prune your oaks, don't. Don't. Uh, And we, we go through this every year, and, and I'm one that's always been a March 1st, and I was actually starting to get worried, but today's March 1st, so we got pretty close. Uh, but I would say on average I've been watching this for probably the last 10 years, and we normally recommend about March 13th. That's when those degree days uh, get calculated and they get up high enough. But this year, with everything that's happened in the warm weather, it, it's time to quit. If you have a crab apple, a linden, some other different species, and you still want to do some pruning, that it's still okay to do some pruning. I would also probably back off um, things like uh, maple, birch, elms that bleed a little bit. We always say that's not a big issue, but if you haven't noticed, we're in this thing called a drought too. That's just another added stress. So. There are a few species that I think we can still keep pruning, but there's a number of species. If you can wait, uh, I would probably wait. All right. And by wait, you mean wait until next well, year? Well, for the oaks, I would wait. Um, you know, we usually say, so here's the, here's the deal with oak wilt. Our high risk period, if you look at our state website, is basically March 15th to August 1st. That's kind of, but those are just dates. We know that the weather changes just like this year, so we're probably getting into that time already. Our risk lowers um, starting about August 2nd, and still there's some risk to the end of October. So usually November 1st, we say it's okay. But if you remember back last fall, I had people calling me November 15th saying, oh, it's 55, 60, whatever degrees. It's really warm. Should we wait? A lot of people waited to start. So usually with oaks, we try to say, 
wait till those trees go dormant, wait for a good couple frost, then go from there. With the other species like elm, birch, um, maple, you know, another, actually, we, we generally say that the dormant season is a good time to prune, especially with oaks, but you can see the structure, you can see the branches, you can see the weak angles, you can see the kind of things that you want to want to prune. But there has been research and some indications that midsummer in the Midwest on not oaks, but other species, you can actually get a better wound response mm. if you do some pruning like mid to late June. So we also know with the maples, the birch, um, elm species that bleed, that if you prune midsummer, they tend not to bleed anymore. So with those species, waiting would be midsummer. So if you had some maples and stuff like that that you really wanted to prune that you're not going to get out there now and do, you can still come out midsummer and do some pruning. And that's the same thing. If you're mowing and whack, you get hit in the head and it's like, gosh. The other thing I had a gentleman tell me one time that he likes to prune in the summer because he can see how far the branches are going to droop and how mm. far he has to prune up. So midsummer, um, as long as it's not an oak, it, for most species is is okay. For years and years we've been talking about pruning season being in the spring. Do you feel like that's just a... Changing? Well, based on new information? I wouldn't call pruning season in the spring. So, the, the two times I like right. to avoid pruning, well, we'll we're just yeah. playing with words here, but the two times I like to avoid is actually in the spring when things are starting to leaf out. So, if I'm seeing flowers and I'm seeing leaves, I'm seeing the buds swell, that tree's gone under pretty major changes. So, we can back off a little bit. But once that growth extends, so we can call it late spring, early summer, whatever you want to call it. But in that, you know, late May, early June, mid-June, you, you get your first spurt of growth and then things start to kind of level off and stuff. That some of the research has shown, the thing we got to remember is trees don't heal like us. They actually seal. So if we prune, we're creating a wound and that tree has to respond to that wounding. And if you do it in the winter, it's really not growing, so it's not responding as quickly. And what they do is they actually make chemical barriers on the inside in three different areas, and then they take the what we call the callus tissue and grow around that wound, and they seal that dead spot. That's why we get knots and stuff in wood. Those are old branches. So that tissue that you cut is dead pretty much at the time that you cut it, but that tree recovers by sealing that to, tr to try to slow down the decay. And so some uh, studies have shown that middle of the summer, actually you get more wound response and quicker wound response to help it seal better. Now this time of year, there is a, a real opportunity to take a look at the structure of your trees. Do you feel like even if you're planning to prune midsummer, that right now you should go out, take a look at your trees and then see what's going on? Yeah. So the key thing in all this, kind of like with everything else we do, is know what species that you're dealing with. Because um, when we talk about structure, we like branch angles that are wider, closer to 90. We, we often think that the more narrow that branch angle, it's going to be stronger. It's actually the opposite. If you think about fruit trees and stuff, we spend all this time trying to spread those branch angles so that those branches can carry more fruit and stuff like that. Same thing with shade trees. The wider those angles, the better. So if you get 
you take your hands and put your thumb towards your fingers, basically you see kind of a V-shape or narrow. Those tend to be bad angles, and those tend to be fairly weak. So those are the kinds of things that we might prune out when we're trying to improve. The problem is you have to know what species. Just take little leaf linden, for example. If you pruned out every poor angle branch on a little leaf linden, you would end up being at the base of the tree and cutting it down. (laughs) So you have to understand the structure of those trees. But even oaks that tend to have good branch angles can sometimes have poor branch angles. Same thing with certain maples and stuff. So you can prune some of those things out um, and improve the structure. I, I always like to say that, you know, in the first, when we first plant a tree, we should hardly do any pruning at all. But in the next five to 20 years, there are things that we can do to improve that structure that will help that tree the rest of its life. Do you feel like we should go out and maybe take some pictures so that we have a good frame of reference for after things leaf out? You can do that, or if there are branches that you can reach, if you have a good permanent marker, mark some of those branches, especially if it's a developing tree that you can reach. You know, don't get on the tip of the ladder to do it. But, yeah, take pictures to to be able to see some of that structure. Um, the other thing I'll tell folks, if I can real quick, is we have a tendency – we all want to clear so we have safety clearance so we can see under, see the neighbors, see the beautiful vista. But don't do that too quick. It's actually a slow, much slower process. If we prune those lower branches right away, that can actually slow down the growth of the tree. DNR forester Mark Vitosh. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Find out more at iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. It's Horticulture Day today with me, DNR Forester Mark Vita. She is here to answer all of your tree questions today. And Erin Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist, is also here. Hello, Erin. Good morning. And, of course, we'd love to hear from you as well with your questions. We already have a lot of email questions, but you can email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org, or you can give us a call at 866-780-9100, 866-780-9100. And we're going to dive right into a pruning question. Guinoa asks about pruning fruit trees. With the temperatures being unseasonably warm, can I prune fruit trees now? Will that wake them up faster, or should I wait to keep them as dormant as possible? I just passed the Aaron on that one. Okay, Aaron, go. (laughs) You know, as long as as the tree hasn't started budding out, uh, forming leaves and flowers, you can still prune. It's the temperatures that are going to bring this tree out of dormancy, not your pruning cuts. And 
Um, it's good to, it would be good to get it done as soon as possible, of course. But um, as long as it's still dormant, uh, you're still good to go. And a lot of plants respond to day length. But, I mean, Mark, the temperatures do a whole lot with the trees, right? Right. I mean, day length is, you know, we talk about fall color and all that stuff. There's all these different triggers. But the weather itself, the temperatures can also speed things up, slow things down. Um, so the weather itself can have a huge impact on, and I've been here a few years and I, I can remember even years where our native oaks, um, some of our native native oaks got singed by late frost. So again, uh, the weather can have some really wild impacts. Yeah. And this year, particularly wild. But uh, we've been saying that a lot more in the last five or six years, haven't we, we have. not? Okay. Yes, we have. <laughs> Uh, Tim in Ankeny wants to know, Aaron, if it's too soon to apply pre-emergent herbicides on his lawn, and if so, when should he apply? Yeah, it's a little early still. We don't want to apply it too early because that uh, herbicide disrupts the germination process of primarily crabgrass is what we're worried about, but any summer annual weed. And if we put it down too early, there's more likelihood of it washing away. Most of the uh, crabgrass and most summer annuals don't start germinating until the soil temperatures reach 55 degrees, and we're not there yet. So most years it's when the forsythia is finishing blooming. might be a little bit earlier this year. That's typically early part of April, but um, we'll have to watch and see. Right. Well, and as this week proved, uh, winter weather can come out of nowhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big swings in temperatures, absolutely, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Luke in Cedar Rapids says, I'm looking for a good tree to replace the elm tree that used to stand next to our magnolia tree in the front yard pre-derecho. Would you recommend a Japanese Zelkova tree as a good candidate? Uh, so in Cedar Rapids, I would actually hesitate with that, Luke. I've Zelkova, it's probably on Cedar Rapids' tree list. But when we had the polar, uh, the polar vortex a number of years ago and stuff, I saw some Zelkovas that were north of 30 and stuff get some pretty significant damage and stuff. So it's one of those trees that's probably a little on the edge. So there could be some risk with colder weather. I, I would actually suggest that if he really liked the elm, we do new, now have some selections of American elm that are out there that you could actually replant elm. Uh, there are some lists. I would stay away from the hybrids. I would look at the true selections of uh, American elm. I would also, just because I like them, but I would look at some oaks as an alternative too. I would look at red oak and chinkapin oak. They're both very nice, big, large oaks that would be great shade trees. So there's multiple options, but I would probably hesitate to use Zelkova in the Cedar Rapids area. All right. Uh, Dorothy in Iowa City has a couple questions for you, Erin. She says, the deer were very hungry during the snow and cold spell in January. They ate the top half of my yucca plants, the parts that were above the snow. They look awful with ragged partial leaves. What can I do to help them recover? Um, leave as much of that fol foliage there as possible because even if it looks ugly, it's still green and photosynthesizing, helping support that plant. So uh, it will probably re-sprout. It's actually kind of hard to get rid of yucca once it's well-established. It will li likely re-sprout new kind of offsets from the base. 
if uh, not also produce new leaves out of the center of what was already there. And then once you get a good amount of foliage there, if it really bothers you, those uh, damaged leaves could be pruned out. But the best thing you could do to support it is to leave them there until a, a more new growth has kind of grown and taken its place. All right. And Dorothy's second question is, I planted two climbing roses last summer. I followed what I hope were your instructions for winter protection, including building a 12-inch mound of soil and tying the stems together. What do I do now and when do I do it? Especially when should I remove that soil? Uh you can remove the soil, and most years we say sometime around mid to late March is an okay time to do that. Um, and I would say that's probably still true this year so far. The best thing to do is to wait until that rose just starts to bud out. Most climbing roses will see winter dieback, sometimes significant winter dieback, depending on how the winter went. And you don't want to prune out any more than you have to but you don't know how much you have to prune out until you can see what lived through the winter. And so waiting until they just start to break bud, finding that spot uh, on the canes that they died back to, pruning it off there um, is the best time to do that. And most years that's end of March, first part of April, usually closer to first part of April. It might be a little bit earlier this year. We'll see. You can call with your questions, 866-780-9100. You can email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Steve is on the line from Des Moines. Hi, Steve. Uh-huh. Hi, what's your question? I, I, I'm going to give you some background as quick as I can. I had some bur oak uh, trees transplanted, and you're probably thinking that was a dumb idea because they're hard to keep alive, and I would agree with that now. Um, one of them that did survive actually had uh, about a dozen or maybe less uh, terminal branches die. So last fall, when it still had green foliage on it, I marked with spray paint where the uh, the dead parts, and then I trimmed those about a month ago. Now I've noticed that they're growing leaves out of some of these spots where I've trimmed um, in a starburst pattern with five, six, seven buds coming out of the end of the branch um, right before right before it died. And I'm wondering how I, what do I do with that? Do I trim most of those off and just leave two or three? So that's a great question, Steve. So what I would do, I would obviously wait, let them grow this year, and then next fall, early winter, prune some of those back. But it's likely a lot of times if it, if, I'm kind of getting the hint that these maybe were good sized trees that were transplanted, and so yeah, when three three to four inch. Okay, so that's really big, and so you're gonna get die back. What you want is branches that are truly branches. What I mean by that, when you cut that material back, sometimes you'll get what we call epicormic shoots, and those are from hidden buds all over the branches and stuff, and those don't usually end up being true branches. So a lot of times you're going to have to keep pruning those back. But if you have branches that you prune back to that seem to be taking dominance, I would favor those branches over those sprouts. Okay. Yeah, I planned on just um, looking this summer and then making a plan. And if I have to, I'll use get my marking paint out again. <laughs> yeah, but uh, tr trim you're, them you're, after they die back. Then you're probably going to get a number of years of that sprouting because of that dieback. 
And you may get to a point and you may say, I'm never going to develop a true tree out of this. And that can happen sometimes on those big transplants. But sometimes if you keep working with them and if you can afford the time, you might still be able to develop. But the reason you probably got dieback because of the size, that tree basically didn't have enough root system to sustain that top. So that tree basically shuts that part off. But the fact that it's sprouting and stuff is at least a good sign that it's trying to to go. The other thing I'd say, if these are large trees, if we continue to have drought, some supplemental water will help these trees hopefully kind of keep going. Steve, thanks so much for the call. And uh, Mark, <laughs> I, I think that a lot of us do have this feeling. If we're transplanting a tree, the bigger the better, because that that's like a head start. But right. I hear you saying that's not always the case. That. A lot of times that's not the case. Now, with that said, I've been to programs and stuff, and we can move big trees, but they take massive amounts of the root system with special equipment to make that adjustment. They do it at certain times. They do some root pruning ahead. They do all kinds of different things. But in general, when we dig trees, we probably lose a significant, sometimes half of the actual root system when we transplant that tree. So there's a big adjustment for that tree. And depending on the size, we may have for every inch diameter, maybe a year or so of stress or adjustment for that tree. So if you have a three inch tree, it may take it two or three years to adjust to that transplanting. So you could have some dieback. This is a great time. The state forest nursery sells seedlings. Now I don't expect everyone to go out to plant seedlings, but that seedling is usually has a better ratio of root to top. And I've seen smaller trees, even like say a three to four foot whip or bigger seedling planted next to these three inch trees. And within five years, that small tree catches up hmm. because it doesn't have that time of adjustment. And the other thing is if you have a tree that's adjusting for two or three years and you have drought and all these other stresses, that just adds. So I'm not telling everyone to go plant seedlings. Even from a seedling aspect, we sometimes plant the nuts and the walnuts and stuff because you have no adjustment. You're basically planting that from seed. It gets going. It grows. And it does it does even better than a seedling. So smaller can be better. But for shade trees, we could be in that five to seven uh, foot range. Maybe it's only three quarters an inch to an inch. And the key is having a root system that's in good relationship with that top. If you have this, even with seedlings, if we have a four-foot seedling and we've got just a little ball that's eight inches across of roots and not very much root, that top is not going to do very well. So having a good ratio between roots and top is important. All right. Speaking of drought, John in Lynn County has a question. He says, Eastern Iowa is still in a drought. When should I start worrying about watering second and third year trees and shrubs? So Aaron can chime in if he wants, but I mean, obviously right now things are still technically kind of dormant. Um, once the buds start to swell and things start to get growing, I, I think on stuff that's been in the ground for two to three years, I would still let things leaf out and kind of see where we're at. But if if we stay in this red zone that we've been in some of these areas, orange, red, or very dark yellow, um, 
and we're staying really dry, I I would probably start watering some of those trees. Now, the difference with those, I'd probably spread the waterings out over a couple weeks versus if I have a new tree, I might be watering two or three times a week um, in just a little bit. With these trees that have been in the ground for a while, I'd probably soak the soil a little better. Um, You know, that top 6 to 20 inches, you know, from the top down, get that area soaked. But then I would probably give it a little more time to to dry out. But anything we can do to help them, if you can do it, it, it's not going to hurt. Anything you want to add to that, Aaron? Oh, no, I totally agree. Uh, The only thing I would add is uh, a nice and easy way to water a tree like this is to use a spot sprinkler. Uh, Because you don't want to just water the spot where you had dug up and and planted it. You want to water where where roots are and where roots should be growing to. And sometimes that's hard to do with just a hose. And so setting up a sprinkler makes it a lot easier. All right. And uh, one more question before we get to a break. Diana says, I have a very large red maple. I believe it's over 120 years old. The tops are starting to die a bit here and there. Would it be healthy to trim the top of this red maple? So, Diana, I would not top it per se, but pruning out dead material and pruning dead branches to what we call branch collars and stuff like that. Um, can be helpful to that tree. So basically taking out dead can be very beneficial. All right. We are going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment. You can join us, 866-780-9100. You can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. With me today, Mark Vitosh, DNR Forester, and Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. This is Hort Day on Talk of Iowa. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. It's Horticulture Day today, and you are welcome to join the conversation with your questions. Give us a call, 866-780-9100, 866-780-9100, or you can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. With me today, DNR Forrester Mark Vitosh. He's got all your tree questions covered. And Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist, is all also here. And Rick has been waiting on the line in Iowa City with his question. Hi, Rick. Hey, how are y'all doing today? Great. What's your question? Well, I have uh, a quince plant or a quince bush, and um, it flowers out beautifully in the spring, uh, but it never fruits. This past year, I had, it's a tiny little bush, and I had one perfect fruit that stayed on all year. And I'm wondering, I'd like to replant and start growing more quince. Is it, do I just plant the whole fruit in the ground, or should I dissect it and take the seeds out and plant them individually? Uh, this might be a question for Mark. It's actually, actually a question pass for it Aaron. To Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, perfect. Well, Aaron, I help would... me out here, brother. Yeah, I would probably <laughs> remove the seed from the fruit um, and plant okay. it. Uh, and um, 
I would probably plant it in a nursery, kind of a little nursery bed in a protected location. Make sure that you put fencing around it to keep the rabbits and, and some of those things off because as a member of the rose family, it's particularly attractive to those animals. And when they're really small, it only takes one little bite. Um, and so sure. making sure that you have a little bit of protection there. You're going to end up with a plant that's similar to, but not exactly the same as the one that you have. Okay. Quince often has suckers around the base of it. And if you want one that's exactly the same, you can dig up one of those suckers and transplant it. And sometimes we have better luck doing that. But growing it from seed would be a fun project. And um, removing it yeah. from the fruit would probably give you the best success. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much for everything. And uh, I listen to you guys every Friday. And I really appreciate the show. Yeah, thanks a lot for your call, Rick. You can give us a call with your questions, 866-780-9100, 866-780-9100, or email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Diane in Riverside has a follow-up. We were just talking about watering. She says, does your advice for watering two- to three-year-old trees also apply to trees planted last fall? Should be we, we be watering those now? Yes. I mean, uh, same thing. Anything within the last couple of years. I wouldn't water right now, but I would say as things continue to warm up, we start to get growth, especially that tree, if you planted it last fall, I would actually plan on watering throughout this summer through next fall and then see what happens after that. Usually we try to water a minimum of a year, and then sometimes depending on weather, we might carry out that a second or third, but we usually around year two, start to try to wean them off. But we've, more and more, we say if there's drought and you've got trees that have been in the ground for just a couple years, they can take, especially in the fall, if it's dry, give them supplemental. But in this case, I would I would plan on watering that tree um, throughout the summer. But on that one, since it was put in in the fall, that tree really hasn't, those roots haven't spread out yet. So I would actually remember where kind of that root ball is, and I would actually focus my watering. And I probably only, depending on the size, maybe just a gallon or two or a couple gallons each time. And I might water that once or twice a, a week um, through this first summer and just get that ball wet, just kind of like it's still in the nursery or sitting next to the house before you plant it. And then after that, we would use air and sprinkler and stuff to kind of spread it out. But initially, when you first plant that tree, you really want to treat that ball and help that ball. All right, let's go back to the phones. John is on the line in Ames. Hi, John. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. What's your question? Um, we have a walkout basement house. So in the back, it's two stories tall. We planted a couple of them. Um, Arbor vitees back there, and they have now, that was 15 years ago, they've grown into the eaves. And my question is, can you trim the top of those off? It's not desirable, but you can. If it's versus, you know, cutting that plant down and stuff like that. But I would try to take those back to at least a side shoot. I would, I mean, arborvitis can be sheared. But I would try to prune that back to another branch, um, if you can, to kind of help that along. So we I mean, were talking about the top, but if you can just do a side and leave the top, that would be much better, That right? would be much better. But if you had to remove the top, I would call that not 
topping, I would call it a reduction cut. So I would try to prune it back to another branch that least has some size. So um, if if I'm pruning back to to a two-inch stub, I'd want at least a half-inch to an inch branch coming off that. I don't want to cut back to a stub and then leave. I don't want to cut back to a five-inch stub on that top and leave a one-inch branch coming off that stub. I want a branch that's going to kind of be able to take over. I mean, to me, that's not something that we generally recommend, John, but if it's, hey, this is destroying the house, I need to do something, then... I would probably look at a reduction cut rather than just picking the right height and just cutting it off because then that's going to tend to come up. Try to cut it back to a, another branch. All right, John, thanks so much for the call. 866-780-9100 or email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Susan's on the line next in Pleasant Hill. Hi, Susan. Hi. I um, live in Pleasant Hill, Iowa at the moment. Um I have a high bush cranberry that I transplanted one summer ago, so not last summer, but the summer before that. Um, it's kind of two-dimensional. It just had two real big uh, branches on it, and it was a sucker coming off of a parent plant. Um, I'm wondering, now that it's really two-dimensional and not three-dimensional, how far can I cut back those branches to make it bush out better? Aaron. Um, how tall is it now? I would say five feet. Okay. Ideally, we're not going to remove more than a third of the size of the plant. And, um, we are hopefully, uh, these two branches, wherever we cut them back to, hopefully it'll be just above a bud and there will be branches that break there, but hopefully breaking the dominance of these two um, large stems will also encourage some more growth near the base. So um, ah. trimming it back, yeah, trimming it back um, no more than a third, and then seeing what happens after that. This was probably going to be a more than a one-and-done kind of situation. If all you're getting is new growth towards the top, then you might have to do some more pruning um, to help encourage more branching a little bit lower. The good news is with shrubs, um, this is a larger shrub, but, you know, we can tolerate some maybe less than ideal branch angles more so than we can on a tree. So um, right. because, you know, if, if it falls apart, it can sprout from the base. And if it falls apart, it doesn't land on your car or house and cause damage. So uh, we can right. be a little bit um, more adventurous, maybe, or uh, the, the plant is a little bit more forgiving. Um, I say that only because... Um, Ideally, we uh, probably actually ideally you probably would have done a little bit of pruning maybe last year if if the branches um, weren't weren't kind of branching out, um, and so we have a little bit more material there, which is good in some ways, but it would um, it would be nice to kind of cut it back to a spot where those those branches that are coming out are in the spot that we want them to be, and this might be a little higher than that, so. That's why I say it might be a, a multiple kind of year thing. Um, but and, and you could do that now um, uh, while the plant is still dormant. Um, that would probably be the best time to do it. Susan, thanks so much for the call. Next up, we'll go to Denise in Cedar Rapids. Hi, Denise. 
uh, my question is, I lost, well, I lost 30 trees in the derecho and had two major brush piles. I went through the brush piles last fall and found between six and eight uh, walnut trees growing. And they aren't little ones either. They're about six to eight feet tall. How big of a ball root should I spade out around, and when should I do that to transplant them? So those are pretty good size, Denise. Um, what I would actually probably try to do is uh, at least a f- least a foot diameter ball. Um, but if you have a lighter soil and stuff, you could try to bare root them some and then maybe prune down the roots just a little bit. You might even have better luck with that. But there could be a pretty significant root system there. So I would say probably at least a foot in diameter and probably maybe closer to a foot and a half if you can. If the soil's falling apart, I would probably dig them up more bare root. But I would do that right now why things are still dormant, and then get it to the next site. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, uh, what um, what uh, distance between trees? Uh, the ones that came down were anywhere from 60 to 80 feet tall. So, I, I mean, um, if you want them kind of spread out, I would say between 35 and 40 feet apart if you kind of want them to have room to grow, but still maybe touch branches at some point. If you don't want them to touch, I would probably put them more at the 45 to 50. But if you can eventually allow them long-term to touch, you could be in that 30 to 35 foot apart. Yeah. The the other thing I would advise you, Denise, is I would get some other species and mix in this planting. I probably wouldn't just plant... We, we have groves of walnut out there. We have groves of oak, but there's always potential disease and insect problems, so you don't set yourself up for potential problems. I would probably spread them out farther and then give yourself room to put something else in between them over time if you don't have time to do it right now. Denise, thanks so much for the call, losing 30 trees. That must have been just awful. So None of it's good. I'm glad you've got some volunteers to, yeah. <laughs> tree-wise to help you out. Um, Dave and Donaldson says, 15 to 20 years ago, I transplanted two hard maples from our timber to our front yard. One of them started failing the last few years and finally died. I'm in far southeast Iowa, and I'd like to know what shade trees you would recommend that would not be too slow growing. This will go between our driveway and our two-story house, which are about 30 feet apart. It will be on the east side of the house, hopefully to shade the house in the morning. What part of Iowa? Uh, way south in Donaldson. Southeast. That's southeast. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a couple possibilities. If you want a, a pretty good size uh, shade tree, you could look at London plane tree as one possibility. Grows fairly fast. Again, I have to throw my oaks in there. If you got room for them, I would look at species like red oak. Um, I'm a big fan of chinkapin oak. Um, they're, they're large trees, but if you have enough space and enough room, um, those could be some alternatives. If you want the grass to grow, you could look at species like honey locusts. Um, another one, a little faster down in southeast, you could look at one called tulip poplar. It's not a poplar. It's a tulip tree, but they grow pretty good-sized um, 
If you want something more in the medium, I would look at species like uh, ironwood as a possibility, uh, Japanese tree lilac. So there's a bunch. We have a publication called Rethinking Maple uh, that the DNR has. Also, Extension has one on shade trees and small statue trees. So there's good information. I would look at my availability, my soils, how much space, and then make those decisions that fit what you really need. All right, and we're going to squeeze in one last question from Deborah in Burlington. If the ground is not frozen, is it too early to dig out and move perennials now, Aaron? No, if you can find them and you want to dig and move them, you absolutely can do that now. I like to wait until they're just coming out of the ground. Uh, so you because, know where they are. Uh, it's easier to find them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Uh, but you could do that now. Yes. All right. I, I think, you know, this time of year we all get itchy fingers, <laughs> especially yes, this year, probably it. with all the warm weather. So, mm-hmm. all right. Aaron Style, thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. Mark Vitosh, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Mark Vitosh, DNR Forester, and we will be back with Horticulture Day again next Friday and every Friday throughout the growing season here on Iowa Public Radio.